This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure. Zero Procure takes the time to understand your business, whether in hospitality or any other industry, and do all the heavy lifting when it comes to procurement. I'm delighted that their support will keep this show accessible and free to listen to wherever you access your podcasts. Please get in touch with them for a chat. Just click on the link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to a special episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. In our bonus episodes, we like to give some airtime to stories and individuals that are doing something just that little bit special. Today's guest is Claudia Matura, queen of all things happy and host of the awesome podcast and happiness. Coming up on today's show... Claudia and Phil get prepared for a bombshell. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. More hard-hitting journalism from Phil. Did you ever see the, ever see the Lego movie? And Claudia gives us a big reveal. Wow. I know. <laughs> Blimey. God. I know. All that and so much more as Claudia and I unpack the wonderful subject of happiness. There are so many learning and action points in our chat and I almost feel like I should have charged an entry fee. But I can't thank Claudia enough for bringing so much valuable content. A huge thank you to her for bringing the passion. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. So I am one lucky guy. One of the reasons why I started this show in the first place was because talking to people about them and their journey brings me great happiness. So I'm going to go for a double whammy on that today, as I welcome someone to the show who is making a name for themselves in the realm of happiness with her fabulous podcast and happiness. And not only that, she is without question the happiest person that I know. So a massive happy welcome to the queen of happiness, Claudia Matura. Oh my God, Phil, what a <laughs> wonderful welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, no problem. Was that, um, was that big enough for you? Can, I, can, I can start again if you wish. No, no, I feel like there is already so much pressure. What if I would have, you know, woken up grumpy this morning? <laughs> would, have, would have not fulfilled your expectation of happiness. Not at all. I also realised when I was writing that, I think I got the word happy in there or a variation of happiness about 12 times. So that must be a world record. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely all the listeners know that we'll be speaking about happiness. No doubts about we that. We absolutely will. And did you know that there was such a thing called a realm of happiness? No. No, I mean, I it's it's not. I just made it up. But the um, <laughs> there should be a realm of happiness, I think. Let's, um, let's explore that another day. But um, how are you anyway? I'm very, very good. Happy to be here at the podcast, you know, chatting to you about my definitely favorite topic. Awesome. Yes. And it's been a while since we've, um, for, for those who are listening, Claudia and I know each other through that wonderful, happy project, the Springboard Pantomime. And um, yeah, we've kind of kept loosely in touch there and both now have podcasts. So there we are. Where are you recording today? Uh, London, Elephant and Castle, my home. Yeah, still waiting for a nice weather, you know, to show up uh, since it is mid-May. But let's be honest, uh, happiness comes from inside, from within. Indeed. I think if you're relying on the, the weather to keep you happy, you're in the wrong country. Mm. Yes, indeed. But anyway, well, we're going to talk about happiness all in good time. But uh, behind the happiness is obviously a story and a journey. So let's go all the way back to the beginning of your career, because I think before the podcast as well, you, you have 
uh, touched the, the industry of hospitality. So there is some nice crossover there as well. But we'll obviously get onto your specialist subject later. But take us back. How did you get started in your career? So my background is occupational psychologist. I studied psychology and then decided that, you know what, after three years of a degree, I know everything and actually nothing. And I would like to specialize. <laughs> and within that in mind, I thought, you know what, I love to be discovering more about work. And since we spend so much time in war, at work, it might be nice if we're happy at work. So within that premise... God, that's a groundbreaking concept. I know. Who the thought, right? Yeah. Um, so I, with that premise in mind, I went into training delivery. So my first jobs were very much about delivering training, helping people to develop their skills. And through that journey, I then moved into project management of different training programs across Europe. And and then finally came to work at Springboard. And Springboard, of course, is this fantastic charity that works within the hospitality sector. Absolutely. And for a couple of years, I was their head of people. And as a head of people, I had the chance to look at entire employee life cycle from attracting to exiting and thinking about, okay, what are those happiness, happiness touch points for an employee in each component of their employee journey? So was that was that something did you always kind of know that that was going to be your thing like the happiness thing I mean was that is this something that you're you because you are quite a happy person alluded to mm. it at the beginning of the show but did you always have in your mind that I want to apply this logical thing called happiness into the workplace to make places better you know what uh, probably not at this point consciously. I okay. think unconsciously I had quite lots of interest in that. And when I was working with my colleagues, it always really broke my heart that people could be unhappy in the workplace, spending their hours and hours every day and every week. Yeah. And I think at that point, maybe unconsciously, I didn't really name it like that. I didn't really thought about it. Uh, but unconsciously, I had this kind of inclination because after working at Springboard, I definitely thought, you know what? I love learning and development because learning and development is about bringing people from zero to plus 10 yep. and giving them those skills and those sparks for happiness in the workplace. And that's when I started really specializing. Um, so now I work as a learning and development manager at Science Museum Group. And really, I look at supporting colleagues to building that happiness in the workplace through their professional development. Right. Okay. So Science Museum Group, just tell us a little bit about them and what, what they do. So I mean, I can take a guess, probably, but um, yeah, it's better coming it's, from you. Yeah, exactly. Guess what? It's about science and, and, and museum. Uh, oh, my God. So, That's yeah, not what I had you... written down. 
<laughs> so, so as, a, as an organization, we inspire the science capital. So the interest and enthusiasm for science within the society, very grand aspiration. We have five museums across England and two collection sites. So I look after 1,300 people when it comes wow. to their development, uh, professional development at work and happiness. But before I got to that point, obviously, pandemic happened. Yep. Right? What? Do you remember? Do you remember I, uh, that? I've bit? eradicated it from my, my, <laughs> my brain. Yeah, defensive, defensive mechanism. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, pandemic happened. And during pandemic, I lost my job within hospitality sector as L&D manager for Vacheron. Yeah. And... I was in a very difficult place like everyone else. So I had lots of personal challenges. Uh, I needed to reschedule my wedding because of COVID. I couldn't get home and I didn't know when I'm going to see my family Yeah, because we, I couldn't travel to Poland. Uh, I lost my job. I had a leak uh, from upstairs. So my flat was damaged and there was no way of repairing that because of, again, Guess what? COVID. Uh, Obviously, I got I got early COVID and I was sick for like eight weeks. It's it's just horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. Like everything happening in that uh, in that space. I bet you were still happy though. No. So (laughs) (laughs) wait for it. Wait for it. I thought like, okay, uh, this is the best time. I thought to myself, you know what? I am science. I am a scientist. I love science and exploring it and applying it to my own personal circumstances. And I thought this is the time to actually look into the science of happiness because it's all amazing to be happy when life is gravy. But what about those moments when actually everything is collapsing? What about that? How can we be happy then? What is happiness then? And this is really what I think consciously then put me into that journey of let's take the science of happiness and start really applying it within very specific settings, whether your personal circumstances, whether happiness in the workplace. And that's why And Happiness as a podcast was born. And I really start exploring that and applying that to my own personal journey. That's awesome. And, and as if to prove a point as well, like there can definitely be massive happiness that comes out of adversity, you know, and look at the look at the podcast. What You're now 40, I think it was 43, I saw 43 episodes as, at, at the yeah. time of recording, you know, and, and I mean, just what a wonderful subject to talk about. Like you, you must have spoken to, you know, a, a wonderful array of people. And um, so, yeah, well, let's just get into it then. Let's talk about happiness. <laughs> um, so what have you learned from interviewing 40 plus people on your podcast about <laughs> happiness? Because I would imagine you'd have your own uh, ideas around it. But obviously, the, the greatest way to learn is to share information, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, just for context, in the beginning, the end happiness was very much about taking a scientific research and then applying it in uh, my and my colleague co-host, Kitty's new, Kitty Newman, who is a director of Trapeze Media, into our life and assessing how, does it, how did it go? Uh, are we confirming the science? All our experiences maybe 
saying, oh, no, actually, this does not apply to me. Um, And then uh, when Kitty moved away from the podcast due to the amazing growth of her business, um, then I started to look started to speak with lots of different experts around the science of happiness. So I guess there is like almost half of the, more than half of the episodes is our personal journey, but still based on science. And another half, you're right, those are experts who are speaking about very specific topic and the relationship to happiness. Yeah. Experts and me. Because I will, I will be featuring in a future episode, yeah. But you are an expert, Phil. You have to recognize your influencing power in the hospitality <laughs> sector. I know you're denying your fame, but, uh, you know, accept, accept your success. Being, uh, being um, humble keeps me happy. There very good, very good. Um, so I guess what I've learned about happiness is that there, is, there are certain misconceptions when it comes to happiness. So what we believe due to our con- conventional wisdom, as you like, is actually opposite to what the science shows. Okay, really? And they are, yeah. Oh, this is already interesting. And they are specifically, I would say, five of those myths and misconceptions that we care about happiness, but actually science says that that's not actually proven when it comes to research. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Uh, So first of all, we suffer from something called happiness paradox. Okay. So uh, basically, we very much concentrating on what we are told will achieve happiness rather than happiness itself. So, for instance, we would spend majority of our time focusing on making money, finding a perfect partner, getting the desired body, you name it. We spend majority of the time looking after those external potential conditions of happiness rather than on rather than on learning how to be happy. And actually science says that learning how to be happy, our mindset, our habit is what makes us happy in the end. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's I mean that makes sense. And do you think that that's before we get on to number two? We're not going to just blast through these. We have to explore them. Okay. <laughs> Do you think um, that that uh, what we believe to make us happy comes from external sources? Like, for example, and I always kind of use this one because it's a fairly obvious one, but like influencers on Instagram who are taking... I remember seeing this thing. I think it was on the Russell Howard Hour, where they, they had a video of Kim Kardashian teaching people how to take the perfect photograph. And it was, it was a, <laughs> like she was taking 320 photographs to get the one mm-hmm. so that yeah. she could then post that photograph onto, onto mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Did, did that then wash over onto people and say, well, that's what I need to be doing if I'm going to be ultimately happy? Of course. I mean, come on, look at the adverts, right? Unless you do this, you won't be happy. Unless yeah. you have this next thing, you won't be happy. So absolutely, the society, media always uh, promotes the value of happiness as if you get all those conditions met, then you'll be happy. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also think, you know, and the great experiment about happiness paradox is actually comes from um, this really funny scenario that, you know, imagine a genie appears onto your 
into your doorstep and he says, hey, Phil, I can grant all your three wishes. And when we ask people to tell us about those three wishes, people always think about external factors, fame, health, relationships, money as something that will give them happiness. And the genie asks, okay, but why do you want those things? Because I want to be happy. Great. You could ask me to grant you a wish of being happy. Why do you have to achieve all of this to be happy when actually you can be happy? Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all, it's, well, it's a choice, right? You can choose to be happy or not. It's probably, there's a, a little bit more to it as to how you can get into that state of mind in the first place. But uh, in any case, yeah, I mean, at the pursuit of your own genius, I don't, don't mean genies, genius mm. is um is actually my belief has always been around the fact that if you spend time to f- focus on what makes you happy funnily enough we're talking mm. about happiness is that all of the things that you perceive to be happy will come na- as naturally as part of that anyway absolutely and this is the kind of the second aspect uh, Phil, oh, that I almost we... feel like I did a segue then, but anyway, I know yeah, we didn't know. rehearse this, by the way. Um, your the segue is that our formula for success is backwards. So we think that we first have to be successful, and then we'll be happy. And and this is exactly what you're saying that those external conditions will be met, and then I'll be happy. And first, I have to concentrate on my success. But actually, we know that people who are happy first and foremost are more successful. So there is so much studies showing really real data of if you are a happy doctor, you'll be much better at diagnosis. If you are a happy salesman, you will close more deals. you know, if you are if you are happier, you'll be kinder. And that all leads to success. So actually spending time on learning how to be happy is much more beneficial to our success in life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. I actually saw something very recently. I didn't see something. I was involved in a discussion about it with a guy, a chap called Andrew Miller, an absolute a genius over time that nobody will have heard of, but he's you will hear him soon. And he talked about scrap. This is going to be controversial, but scrap goal setting. Mm-hmm. Be- because, mm-hmm. think it, and then he made uh, lots of allusions to why, as to, you know, if you, if you contemplate, like, and he moved to sport as an example. And I remember actually hearing a conversation with Johnny Wilkinson, who won a World Cup, and they'd set that goal. When you achieve the goal, what happens next? And so actually what we should be doing rather than setting goals is actually setting a direction. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, and almost almost setting that direction to an unachievable target, but mm-hmm. something that's interesting and really exciting and invigorating that makes you keep want to, wanting to get closer to that unachievable target. I thought it was a really interesting concept. It's something that resonated with me because I am one of the... I, I have a love-hate relationship with goals. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't with me. And you can lose motivation very, very quickly if you're not Mm -hmm. hitting your goals. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I interviewed Cav Bishop, who is a ex-Olympian rower and a silver medalist and I think a former diplomat for the Foreign Office. And she actually was speaking about the achievement, not in terms of the goal setting as such, but as you said, 
more aiming of the clarity of what matters, so having that deep sense of purpose and meaning, thinking about constant learning. So what are you learning? How are you progressing? How are you becoming a better person? And then thinking about connection. So how are you collaborating with other people? How are you building the relationship? That's what should be the kind of the aim rather than whether I hit the goal or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot a lot written about set goals, right? I mean, I, I remember working for organizations who at the beginning of the financial year would say, right, write down your, your three goals. And you'd rack your brain as to, okay, I, well, I, and a lot of that is centered around what do they think I want to put? Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's, so it's counterproductive anyway, because you're not setting a goal that's based around actually what you want to achieve you're setting a goal based around what you think the business wants you to achieve anyway that was me mm, I would, I would yeah. set them very differently now in, in any yeah. case but uh, yeah absolutely I always ask my colleagues what would make you proud in three months time in six months time you know what what would make you proud and that is such a different question yeah, than what do language, you need eh? to achieve what do you need to achieve what's that you know proud you personally taking uh, that moment to yeah. be proud in your work. The third thing that I learned from talking to those experts and also experimenting with the science of happiness is that we also think that ha- being happy means avoiding negative emotions. So we think about those concepts as like on opposite spectrum if i'm happy therefore i'm not experiencing negative emotions so you have this idea that you know we're smiling for the camera and our social media looks fabulous and we actually inside suffering uh we kind of faking it in trying to stay over positive when there is so much difficult things happening around us and actually Happiness is not about avoiding negative emotions or faking it when we are at our lowest point, but happiness is about accepting our negative emotions and learning from them to then move forward. Right. And Barbara Barbara Fredrickson is a, a scientist who created this positivity ratio, saying that a ratio of positive emotions to negative emotions in our life really should be around three to one. Three positive emotions to every one negative emotion. And the reason for that is because negative emotions are much stronger. They are much, much more stronger for us because that's what helped us to survive when we were from evolutionary perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's your safety net, I suppose. The negative is trying to protect you. Absolutely. That ratio shows that what we're aiming for is the positive ratio. So it's it's more positive emotions to negative, but that doesn't erase the negative emotions. You you can be happy with positive emotions emerging as well. Yeah. And that for me personally was a big learning curve. I also interviewed for my podcast Girijira Kaimal, who is a associate professor of creative art therapies at Dexter University in USA. And for instance, she says, you know, whether we are anxious or imagining the innovative ideas, the brain process is exactly the same. In both cases, you imagining scenario. 
In one, it's innovative and positive. In the other one, it's catastrophic and negative. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating. That happiness is that facet of positive and negative emotions. That is, that's incredibly fascinating, especially that they both kind of have more or less, a, you know, exactly the same, elicit exactly the same response in the, in the brain, as it were, uh, from a scientific perspective. Yeah. And knowing that, for instance, helped me a lot with my anxiety. So believe it or not, but I'm quite anxious individual. My parents are quite anxious individuals. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I actually naturally, for many years, my uh, default was uh, worst case scenario in life. You know, like if I can manage worst case scenario, then I can kind of manage life. But since I kind of know about this concept that anxiety and almost innovation are the same side, the different sides of the same coin, I, for instance, what helps me is that when I know I'm getting anxious, I try to take that energy and put it into creativity. Right. So, you know, be thinking about podcasts, be thinking about something creative rather than letting my brain to use that energy in creating worst case scenarios that never happens. All of they them. Never happen. What ifs. Yeah. yeah. What ifs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting that just knowing that scientific fact helped me with my anxiety quite a lot, which, yeah, which is really, uh, which is really fascinating. Yeah. Well, you see, your podcast is helping yourself as well, right? I mean, it, it, oh. it, the thing by, um, by having all of these conversations and exploring the science behind it, and actually kind of living that science as your own lived experience, you're kind of getting a sense of actually what's going on inside us, right? I mean, and we all react to things in very different ways at very different times of our life as well, you know, in terms of how you might react to something when you're seven years old versus 44, you know, of course, there's a very, you know, there's all manner of experience in between that happens that affects how you respond to stuff. But the the thing you mentioned there around the the worrying about the stuff that might happen, I would imagine that the there's a huge amount of people out there that that have that on a kind of daily basis. Yes, absolutely. And that's what my guest was talking about, because our brains are ultimately, as she called it, a predictive machines. We constantly try to predict whatever is going to happen, even simple scenario like, okay, I'm going for a walk. Uh, let me take an umbrella because I live in UK. It will rain. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's based on a predictive uh, concept of our brain imagining that, okay, what if it will rain? I'll get soaked. I don't like to be cold. You know, and it all happens in our background. And then the behavior is, let me grab an umbrella. So that's a simple example. Mm. And then obviously, when we're making much more complex life decisions, when we're interacting with colleagues, when we are shaping our lives, shaping our happiness, that is even kind of a bigger process. But it's always the same process of imagining what if. Yeah, God, fascinating. Absolutely. Now, the funny thing about that is, right, I was doing something just last week called Your Purpose Challenge. And that was actually with the same chap, Andrew Miller. I did it to, he was running it as a kind of pilot to get feedback and stuff like that. And I found it a really interesting scenario because actually the advice I give to a lot of people is, is to stop worrying about the stuff that might not happen because the chances are it's not going to happen. So, you know, only worry about the stuff that you can control. But even mm-hmm. then, don't even worry about that because you can't control it. Anyway, that's a whole different <laughs> ballgame. 
um, that came out from me that there was I was still harboring all of these what ifs. Like the biggest fear I have is financial failure. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't, I didn't even realize it until I put myself through this process, and that came out, and I was I absolutely shocked myself that that was something that was holding me back because the the whole basis of that is born of what might happen Uh, Mm -hmm. and the chances are that that's not going to happen but yet this thing still kind of uh holds me back it's really the human brain eh? i mean such a such a thing absolutely how much things we hold there we're not even aware of that really change our behavior and once you get once you are aware of that i reckon you might you feeling that you can then think about that fear change that yeah. you know you can influence it yeah but if it's just sitting in the background then it's really really difficult absolutely and um, so number four what i've discovered we're still only on number four this Phil. is awesome <laughs> no, I, I feel like we're, you're happy for okay. the next three hours is that right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number number four is also um i think we believe that being happy is selfish And what I mean by it is that when we look at the world around us, you know, bias at work, climate change, war and violence in the world, like health issues, pandemics, you see all of that and you think, okay, you want me to be happy. Isn't that selfish? Right. In relation to look at all of the bad stuff that's yeah. going on. Yeah. Look why at am, everything. Why am I allowed to be happy? Exactly. Look at all of this. Right. But again, the research shows that if you are happy, you'll be much more generous with your money. You're going to volunteer your time more often. You'll be optimistic about the future. And therefore, you're going actively engage in a constructive way about those challenges. So again, conventional wisdom maybe says, I cannot be potentially happy. Look at, at the mess that we have in the world. Mm. But the science shows if you want to fix the mess in the world. Yeah, we need more happy happiness, people. Happiness, absolutely. Happiness is going to really help you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, that makes total sense, right? There's a, a, there's a, I don't know even know if this is a saying. This came to me in a moment whereby like everything is possible with positivity, right? Nothing is possible mm-hmm. with negativity. So mm-hmm. it's the same principle to, to happiness versus not being happy. I don't, what's the opposite of happiness? Un- unhappiness. Well done. For, <laughs> yeah, go straight to the top of the class, Phil. <laughs> uh, misery. Yeah. And um, God, little moments of genius, eh? just like that. But um, it's one of those <laughs> things whereby... Mm. happiness this sounds like such a whimsical thing to say but happiness can fix the world in so many places right in and i don't even kind of want to get into any of the the big world issues that's not the podcast for this but you know it it just happiness breeds happiness right and you if you're Mm. if you touch somebody with happiness they're gonna leave your presence with a little bit more happiness you yeah I mean, we know from occupational research that uh, the random acts of kindness, they influence people from three to seven degrees of separation. Right. So if you are kind to someone and that boosts their happiness, that happiness is going to travel up to seven degrees of separation from you. Wow. Um, depends on your network. So minimum three, maximum seven. 
that's fabulous. That is amazing because actually your kindness is impacting the world in a much wider perspective that we you are aware of. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're saying that happiness is so much, so powerful. And even with things like volunteering, actively changing, uh, actively participating in communities to solve the challenges or even donating more money because you are happier. I mean, all of that definitely impacts the world. Yeah. So as much as cheesy it sounds, be happy and you can change the world. It, it, it's actually it's very, scientifically very true. true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is scientifically true. Yeah. And the final one, which I think is really, really, uh, I think, important because sometimes the argument that we may hear is like, well, I was just not born happy. Maybe it's easy for you because you just born happy, but I am not. So this is really interesting because, you know, to what extent our genetic makeup determines our happiness. And we know that, yes, genetic makeup matters because genetic makeup influences structure of our brain. And we do have something called happiness set point. So the level of happiness from which we fluctuate above or below. So we all have that slightly different. So yes, there is a a little bit grain of truth in the saying that there are people who are naturally more happier and people who are much naturally maybe more anxious. But we also do know that the biggest impact on their happiness set point, the biggest influence comes from our daily habits, not the circumstances around us. Okay. Right. So again, this idea that if I'll be rich, then I could be, then I'll be happy. If I get married, then I'll be happy. If I have kids, then I'll be happy. All of that actually impacts our happiness on a very temporary basis. The biggest long-term influence on our happiness set point comes from our habits. So simple activities, which we repeat regularly, that's what makes a difference to our happiness long-term. Interesting. But I I suppose in some respects, you could then possibly argue that your environment and your circumstances that you are within can affect your ability to understand that, I suppose, like a a very extreme example, but if you're born into a war-torn place and you're brought up in, you know, after years of recovery and all of that sort of thing, and it's, it's Mm -hmm. right. You'd hope actually that at that point, it might be a a place of hope, Mm -hmm. but your ability to, I suppose, see positive things because all you're used to is negative things happening, which Mm -hmm. then affects your, Happiness. I suppose there's there's probably an element in that that your environment yes, can so, play a big part. Yeah, in. absolutely. And it's not to say that the environment doesn't play a role, like genetic makeup. It's not about that they don't play a role. Of course, if you're born with high level of happiness as your set point, and you are in an environment that is very loving, very happy, of course you're going to then be happier because you're going to develop happier kind of habits as a result. And of course, if you are born with the lower happiness set point and you were born in a very difficult environment, it will take time for you to reach that happiness because you need to almost relearn your idea of happiness as you came up from such a difficult background. But 
the scientists would still argue that what contributes to your happiness really long term would be those positive habits. So even if you have that lower lower happiness set point and you are in a very difficult environment, if you then start regularly practicing happiness boosting habits, you will get happier. And you will sustain that happier happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And just few examples of happiness boosting habits, just so it's not very like fluffy abstract here. So there are several of them which really we know in, in impacts level of our happiness. So, you know, if you you the way it's measured in occupational research, people kind of go ahead, develop those habits, and then the level of their happiness is measured. And the increase is always just so significant and uh, sustained across very long periods of time so is just amazing. So those will be gratitude. Having a grateful mindset, very, very uh, important. Concentrating, and I think, Phil, you mentioned that, concentrating on kind of internal agency. So concentrating what you can influence, just having that mindset. Optimistic outlook for the future, thinking that, you know what, whatever will happen, I'm able, I'm capable to deal with it. And treasuring ordinary moments. So thinking about that spark, thinking about those kind of daily do- uh, joys. So those are just, there's many, many of those happiness boosting habits, but those four are really powerful. Yeah. And if you stick to them, they do increase your level of happiness in life. Fantastic. Yeah. And well, we don't want you to give them all anyway, because I want to encourage people to go away and listen to your <laughs> podcast. So. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. No, 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 that's Spoiler great. Yeah, you've been very, very um, free with uh, with information. It's, um, uh, I mean, it's such a fascinating subject. I, you know, I, I, I always like to think of myself as a as a happy guy. I'm like, I'm generally a, a happy guy. And yeah. even in the moments of adversity, and this has not always been the case. So there is definitely merit in, I, I suppose, learning how to make yourself happy. I'm much better at being able to keep myself in a happy place now than I was 10 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, and beyond. And, I, you know, so this stuff can be learned, I think, is the mm-hmm. is the key point. But you've got to be willing to do it. Right. That's the, the yeah. that's the thing. It's ultimately comes back to it's a choice. Yes. And it's almost like we running a little bit against our negativity bias because why why humans survive? We we survived because we were able to predict those negative case, worst case scenarios, yeah. and we were able to prepare for them, and therefore we survived. Whereas nowadays it's about almost going against that negativity bias when it comes to happiness because we live in an environment that we can be blooming we can be growing and in order to do that happiness is actually so important but don't beat up yourself if your brain goes back into negativity bias it will it takes time to almost rewire our brain to think differently, to apply different tools. That's why happiness is about that skill. It is that skill that we we need to be thinking about repeating daily to help us to sustain happiness. If you just think that you will just wake up every day feeling happy, 
I'm not like uh, it that, doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. I, that, I really, you know. Do, do you ever see the ever see the Lego Movie? Uh, which one? There were a few. Uh, the first one. Everything is awesome. That guy, the, uh. the character, just wakes up and goes, "Everything is awesome." Um, I wish. Oh my yeah. god! I wish I could be kind of in that place. No, but I think that that's that's like almost the secret to happiness as well, right? Is realizing that you will not be happy all of the time that sounds such a terrible thing to say but you know yeah. you'll wake up maybe you've had a, the greatest day of your life and then the next day you're you're a little bit low because you're like how am I going to top that that was <laughs> that was amazing um yeah. you know and so there's always all these little moments whereby you'll get tested on it and all of that sort of thing but it being aware of the fact that you are you know, just being aware of the fact that that's going to happen Yes. should but uh, keep you uh, in a happier place and I think one of the things for me that's all, always helped since I realized it was being aware of your first reaction to something like mm. the the day that I learned that I you have like an impulse reaction but it's it doesn't mean that what comes out of your mouth or how you physically react to something is you know what your impulse reaction should be to it it's your ability to identify if your impulse reaction is the right thing to do for the circumstance yeah. that you're in. And if you uh -huh. can train yourself how to do that, and that's just an awareness that you have a first reaction to something. If you can train yourself to do that, then you'll be aware whether you're consistently more negative in your approach to something than you are mm. positively. You know, Absolutely. Uh, and for instance, mindful, mindfulness and meditation, why they are such a big buzzwords nowadays, because they really do change the structure of our brain. So if you are my meditating or uh, practicing mindfulness every day, the amygdala, which is a part of the brain that causes our uh, fight or flee response, shrinks which means you have more self-control over those specific responses of just maybe right. snapping at the colleague in the work or, you know, saying something unpleasant to someone or being nasty to yourself or screaming with anger and frustration, you know, that shrinks. So th that part of the brain that produces all of those very reactive, maybe negative behaviors it shrinks when on top of opposite to that, our prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for cognitive functioning, like complex decision making, creativity, that gray matter in those part of regions, in that part of the brain, it uh, thickens, which we ha which means we have more neural, we're creating more neurological connections. I should say this again from excitement. <laughs> I'm speaking. I'm speaking too fast. Neurological <laughs> connections, which means that those function, um, cognitive functions, gets enhanced. So mindfulness and meditation is actually a really important tool yeah. to get to that stage of self awareness. Yeah. Well, that's that's actually really great to hear that there's actually you know because I think so many people will have read, listened to, watched things around how important mindfulness is but how many people actually apply it to their daily routine and it's probably one of the first things that gets dropped when you get busy and all of these sorts of things but actually yeah. you know as you said uh, all the way back at the, the the beginning you know what item on your agenda is happiness it should be front and center number one absolutely so every day it's about 
learning what makes you happy, reflecting on what makes you happy, practicing different skills and tools that can make you happy. Just have fun, experiment with it. You know, if by the end of it, you think, you know what, none of it works for me, great. But at least you went on that journey and having it as a to-do list, okay, happiness, it is so important. And I think the final advice for listeners, whatever you do, it's about people and friendships. So we know that we are influenced. And again, we kind of touch really like kind of thought about this field before. Like we are really inspired and lifted by the people around us. One of my guests, Professor Robin Dunbar from University uh, Oxford University, he was speaking that actually we know from science that the quality of friendships we have actually predict our well-being, happiness, but also how long we're going to live. Wow. I know. <laughs> Blimey. Gosh. I know. It is absolutely incredible. So do cherish your uh, friendships because if you have if you have really good friends around you who will drop any anything you know that they're doing to help you out in difficult moments but also they giving you your time their time and attention then we know that you'll be happier because of the happiness uh, all of that positive happiness boosting hormones are released in our body that strengths uh, that increases our immune system which then, of course, we are able to fight lots of diseases. So as a result, we do live longer. My word. God. <laughs> well, I mean, as if you didn't drop enough gold in this discussion, <laughs> um, you, you, you're going to leave like, the conversation. Me... Yeah. <laughs> Phil is like, I need to call all the friends now. Oh, my quick, God. Yeah. Quick. I, 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 Otherwise, you know, I know I'm shortening my, my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's awesome. I mean, you know, that uh, look, thank you so much. I mean, so many like really interesting learning points that are quite straightforward to kind of get your head around, but also mm. quite straightforward to implement and and get going. And I think, you know, like most things, it is about like there's kind of no right and wrong with this, right? It's about uh, realizing that you'll have good and bad moments with this, but just keep keep stepping forward, keep trying little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit here and a little bit there and and by the end of uh of the process well well process never ends does it so <laughs> you'll you'll look back on your uh on five years and see how far you've come yes absolutely no so thank you so much for inviting me my absolute yeah, I'm sorry pleasure if I was like getting really passionate and speaking too quickly, uh, but I think happiness is a, a wonderful topic and the science of happiness is so interesting. So I really, really encourage people to learn more. I'm going to a bit of do self-promotion here. If that's okay, Phil. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've abs- um, absolutely earned the right to do so. Oh, thank you. Um, so yes, and happiness is a great podcast. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you can. Sorry. I'm going, I'm going to say this. Um, so unhappiness is obviously a great place to start if you want to think about very specific uh, techniques and listen to some of the guests that I mentioned. But also, and again, I haven't shared this with anyone, Phil. So this is like 
top secret, but actually not top secret. What, so you this is like some... a world exclusive type. Yeah, oh absolutely, Phil. So, so this is like no one knows yet, but I will be publishing a book on the alphabet of happiness. Awesome. Which well, will... that makes total sense because you, yeah. you, what you must have learned through the process, you know, to kind of back up your own knowledge as well. It feels like you're you're a, a, a wonderful font of knowledge for the subject now. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. So hopefully by the end of the year or beginning of the next year, but just watch this space. Well, you've put it into the public domain now, so the, the pressure know, is on. I know, Absolutely. Now <laughs> I cannot quit writing it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Look, if, um, if people want to learn about you and what you're up to, what's the best method for them to get in touch? with you so just head to the website andhappiness.co.uk and in this instant and is spelled a-n-d of course okay. uh, even though the podcast is obviously the symbol is the symbol of and uh, so andhappiness.co.uk uh, you can sign up to the newsletter you can drop me an email and also feel free to connect on linkedin so my name is claudia mitura just uh, get in touch fantastic Thank you so much. I feel like maybe every season or year I'm going to have to do a happiness hour and um, <laughs> and get you back for the next phase of learning and we can go on a happiness journey together. Because we haven't even scratched the surface about no, I, happiness in the I, workplace I, I, yet. I, you know well, that. I had a question here and I was like that. Well, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> um, let's look after yourself first. Get yourself in a in a happy place. And then we'll explore maybe another time how you can start impacting those around you and, uh, and the place that you work. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Phil. Wonderful. Thank you. Take care. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Claudia for sharing so much useful content. If you want to learn more about happiness, then I encourage you to search out her podcast and happiness wherever you consume your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back on Wednesday at 8pm with another wonderful story from hospitality.